Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Gil Gross and Ian Unsworth here. And we are getting ready for game three, week three of this SU football season. The Orange looking for their first win against Georgia Tech. Ian, how are you feeling? Not too confident after what I've seen in the first two weeks, Gil, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, I, I don't I don't blame you. It's been frustrating. It's been kind of tough to watch. But it's funny. I think it's worth like taking a deep look at why it's been so difficult to watch and why it's been such a harrowing experience. Um, I think it's mostly about how the team's getting being coached. I'd agree. You think? And def- you know? definitely on the offensive side, because Sterling Gilbert, new offensive coordinator, he's put up big numbers in the past at Eastern Illinois, Bowling Green. Everywhere he's been with Dino, these offenses have seemed to flourish. And this year, it's just not happening. Nothing has changed. I'm obviously a fan... We're both fans, we're both spectators, both journalists, but from what I've seen, nothing has changed. There's no variation in the offense, whether it be the play calling, the formations, the schemes. Nothing has improved from last year to this year, and that's my biggest qualm with Sterling Gilbert. I'm really focused on the aggressiveness. That's that's what has bothered me. Um, I know that the, the first time I saw it was it was a third and 13 play. I believe, inside the 20, or at least inside the 25 against UNC. And it was a 0-0 game in the first quarter, and Syracuse ran the ball up the middle and kicked the field goal. Uh, there was a, a play in the first quarter of the Pittsburgh game with a, a really similar thing, a, a run on a, on a long third down um, in Pittsburgh territory. And then towards the end of the game, this got tons of attention because you punt – on fourth down, uh, fourth and six. Now, some people were saying fourth and seven. I vividly remember fourth and six. But uh, regardless, there's seven minutes left in the game. You're on uh, – Syracuse was between the 40 and the 50 on their own. Down double digits. And, yeah, down 11. It's like, do you have any faith? Are you coaching the team with any kind of confidence that, that the offense – might be able to do something. And it's not just in the crunch time situations, punt or go for it. It's also just in the, you know, every down play calling where there seems to be a a really strong effort to not let Tommy DeVito get hit after he takes his first couple sacks of the game. But even so, the offensive line and the blitz protection is bad enough that DeVito's going to get hit. It doesn't matter whether Sterling Gilbert calls the perfect play. The personnel just isn't there yet. Jawar Jordan is, I'm going to be honest, he's terrible in pass protection. He can't block anybody. He's pretty much a ragdoll back there. So we might as well take some shots, let DeVito open it up, just have some confidence, make some throws. I don't care if you throw a pick. Because honestly, Gil, last year I think DeVito really started to shut down because he got so much criticism from throwing those picks against Maryland and Clemson, right? He went to throw it away and yeah. accidentally threw it to a defender, and people were totally on, agree people were on him for that, so he kind of shut down, then started getting hit. 
right? Those two things together, right. absolute confidence breaker. So you have to build his confidence back up some way. And either it's going to be, hey, you can make the short throws and we're going to make it nice and easy for you, or we're going to let you do anything in the world you want. I don't care if you mess up. Just go out there, throw the football around, have a good time. But at the same time... But he's going to get hit. He's going to get hit. Well, it doesn't matter if he makes the short throws or the long throws, he's going to get hit. No, but 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 that's not that's not really true. I mean, you can look at uh, most of the sacks DeVito is taking. It's early on in the game, and then they shell up with the play calling. Then they, they call a lot of quick screen passes. Um, they, they, they run the ball more and they basically don't allow DeVito to, to let a play develop in, in the play calling. It's all short, quick, you know, plays that are designed to just let him get rid of the ball right away. But what, what you end up having is there's no, it's almost, look, th there's a saying, um, scared money don't make none. <laughs> Like, that's how this, uh, you know, that's what I'm thinking when I'm watching this offense. Like, it's too safe. Now, I actually agree with Dino Babers when he says DeVito getting hit over and over again is is equal parts responsibility. DeVito, the offensive line, and the receivers. Yes. No? Y yes. I mean, to go back to my earlier point, when you either call the short game or you just open it up and let DeVito do anything, it's on the coaches. In my opinion, everything goes back to Sterling Gilbert and his lack of play-calling awareness. Let that be. And, Gil, our colleague John Eads wrote a really nice article earlier this week for our website, Orange Fizz. Uh, check that out on orangefizz.net about sort of the issues in the Syracuse offense. And it's all... Either DeVito missing a throw. He misses plenty of open guys. It, it, whether it's a short pass or a longer route, DeVito sometimes is up there pump faking. He's holding the ball when he has open receivers. And I hate to say it, but I heard this stat that when DeVito was in there against Pitt, he got sacked upwards of five times. Culpepper was not sacked once. And what, for whatever reason yeah. that may be, Rex Culpepper not getting sacked shows you that it's it's got to be on DeVito at a certain point. The buck stops somewhere, right? We know how bad oh the offensive God, yes. line is. We know the receivers aren't anywhere to where they were in 2018 or even last year. But the buck stops at Tommy DeVito throwing the ball. Right. Ian, this is what people need to understand when they're watching Syracuse football. And I'm sure, you know, plenty of people do. But also, it's easy to look at sacks and just look at the offensive line by default. Don't do that. If the other team sends seven, if the other team is blitzing, you, there's going to be pressure. That's that's how blitzes work. And every you get pressure every team when you blitzes. Blitz. Every team blitzes. Right. It's not an anomaly. So as a quarterback, when you identify the blitz, when you see the blitz is coming, you know you have to get rid of the football. And too often, you go back, you look at the tape, it's a blitz. The hot route, uh, the the receivers who are designed to be an option in the case that you need to get rid of the ball quickly are open, and the ball doesn't come out. And now you get a sack, and it's not the offensive line's fault. It's really— So we're seeing the same thing. It's, it's DeVito not either identifying the pre-snap reads, which is confusing now that he's been, he's been, you know, playing three years of football. At a college level, you have to understand this stuff. There's film on the pit defense from last year. 
same defense, same guy calling the place. Everyone knows. Every, Every, everyone knows Pat Narduzzi is yes, going to send, send the house. Pat Narduzzi is a scheme wizard, but people know it's coming. It's not that difficult. So DeVito, especially on a third and long, second and long, gotta, he's got to know something's coming for him. And at the same time, just got to let it loose, man. Like, he's got to relax. Yeah. He's got to go through his progressions. That's the one phrase I've been hearing all week. DeVito does not go through his progressions, and I completely agree. Because he misses no. second, third option all the time. All the time. The Taj Harris 15 targets in week one is a perfect example. You have to scan the field as a quarterback and find those extra dudes. One other thing, Gil, they got to let Jawar Jordan, I said earlier, he's terrible in pass protection, and he is. They got to let him get out of the backfield and get active in the passing game because last week he was a non-factor. Yeah, I mean, we could also get in, into the, the tight ends. and mm. you know, Oh, yes, we could. Look, you're, you're right, though, Ian. It, if you look at even the receiving production last season, it was all Tristan Jackson. Mm -hmm. it, it was a mm -hmm. one-man band because it, it is pretty obvious that Tommy DeVito really doesn't look away from the you know his, his number one target very often. I also think you know the, the tentativeness does go back to the interceptions. And I thought you made a great point earlier where where DeVito shelled up um, after the silly interceptions. A lot of them were just really bad at the beginning mm -hmm. of last season. Yeah. Uh, but the interception less streak and DeVito ended up throwing the most passes in the history of this program without an interception. 200 plus, uh, yeah. Yeah, I believe it was 206. Yeah. That was such a bogus streak. I mean, get that streak out of here. I, I got to be honest with you. Look, I, and in the beginning, I was giving Tommy props. And preseason, I was like, hey, look, he threw 19 touchdowns to four interceptions. He grew throughout the season. He got better and better. I was giving DeVito that praise, and I thought he deserved it. But at the start of this season, the way he was playing, of course you're not going to throw an interception. You're not taking any risks. There were, there were definitely some stats last year especially at the end of the season, that made DeVito look really good when he necessarily wasn't excellent. I think he also, according to Pro Football Focus, led college football with 60-plus yard uh, number of touchdown passes that were thrown over 60 yards. I think he had three or something like that. But nevertheless, you're completely right, Gil. You can't, no matter how impressive a stat is, especially that interception streak, you come out against Pitt, you go 9 for 16 for 32 yards. 32 yards? How are you going to throw an interception when you're throwing for 32 yards? I'm not going to do the math there, but 32 <laughs> yards, 9 passes, that's under like 4 yards a pass. So there's no way the Pitt defense is going to pick that off. Right. Uh, yeah, that's definitely, it goes back to the conservative play calling as well. All right, a lot of a lot of Devito critique in this segment. Uh, let's get in um, after the break. Let's get into Culpepper and whether or not that's a, a viable option at all. Also, uh, on OrangeFizz.net, check out our staff prediction. Syracuse Georgia Tech is under three hours away from kickoff, so you can go on OrangeFizz.net uh, when you get home if you're driving. And you can see what our staff predicts. This is Fizz Radio. We'll, we'll be right back. Back with Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Gil Gross and Ian Unsworth here. Ian, 
you know, people are talking about Rex Culpepper because so far the Orange have thrown one touchdown pass and it was from the right arm of Rex. So, by the way, I was really happy for him. It was a great moment. It's a great story. He battled so hard and he so thoroughly deserves uh, this moment. So I just want to, or that moment, um, I want to say that off the bat. Uh, but people also are, I think, considering the fact that that maybe he should be the guy. What's your reaction to that? I'm having deja vu because last year Clayton Welch came in and looked pretty darn good. But at the same time, it's just so hard to tell because Culpepper, while he looked good at times, he made better decisions than DeVito. I'm going to say that outright. But his passes just didn't have the zip, right? I could just see it. They looked a little wobbly coming out of the hand. And also, there's barely any chemistry. That fourth down play, I believe it was the fourth and six, where it was the out route from Culpepper to Courtney Jackson. That pass was nowhere near Courtney Jackson. Also, I don't even think he was looking for the football. So I don't think that's chemistry. No, that's the, eh, I, that's a, that's a bad throw. I thought he just missed the throw. It, he missed the. No, okay, he missed th- that's the a throw, fair point. If Courtney Jackson, I don't, wasn't I, don't I did not think Courtney Jackson was looking for the football. So I thought something was off there. And either way, because okay. he is the backup. He hasn't gotten as many reps with the first team. So the chemistry won't be there, at least not right away. I'm not buying that reason, that second reason. Really? I, I like the first. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't think it's about chemistry, really, because I don't think DeVito has shown to have any chemistry. Certainly not with Taj Harris, who, by the way, looks incredibly frustrated on the field the last two, two seasons. He, he looks frustrated, but I don't... Th- I guess besides hit the Wake Forest game where he looked really good in the first half and didn't do jack in the second half because they didn't throw him the ball, I, I haven't seen anything out of Taj Harris that really makes me go, wow. He, he doesn't have that it factor just yet. Besides— As a freshman, it, as a freshman, he had it. He had it. The elusiveness in the open field is there, but his route running just—it's not top tier, and it needs to be top okay. tier to get separation, especially if either DeVito or Culpepper— is going to be throwing him below average footballs. Quick, quick aside here, and we'll we'll get back to the quarterbacks in a in a moment. Who finishes with more yards this season, Harris or Queeley? Well, Harris, if he's going to keep getting fifteen targets a game, there's there's no other way to explain <laughs> it. I think Queeley's maybe caught. Queeley's hasn't caught more than two balls either game, so there's there's no reason to believe that he's going to be a main target. And all of the passes that Queeley's caught have been short balls. He hasn't gone deep and been targeted down the field. So I, Harris is yeah, Harris right. is going to finish with more yards. I don't I can't see an objection to that. Okay. Uh the the part about Culpepper's arm and the zip he had on the football. I mean that's that's the end of the discussion right there to me. Is if if you are going to I mean obviously you have a range here. It's What is my team's potential, and how do we meet it? If Rex Culpepper is your quarterback, your ceiling, your actual potential is miles lower than it would be with Rex Culpepper. So it would be inexcusable. With DeVito, you mean? You you said Culpepper twice. You mean DeVito the second? DeVito's ceiling with the team is higher. Correct. Higher. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Um, If you, like... As a coaching staff, if you're if you're looking at it from that perspective, your job is to figure things out with 
the player who has the talent to take you to the promised land. Well, DeVito... They have to figure it out with DeVito. They have to because not only is he the most talented player, if he doesn't work, then everything Dino Babers has said about him over the last three years is wrong, and it's a massive failure for Dino and the Syracuse coaching staff. How many times has Dino pointed to Tommy DeVito and said, he's my guy? He's my guy. Yeah. All co- he's he's going to do that with his quarterbacks. He's going to do it he's with his, that kind with of his guy. quarterbacks. But he keeps banging it over and over and over and over. And n- uh, nothing from DeVito has really stood, made him stand out as the guy. If DeVito doesn't pick it up by the end of this year, then the guys we've got coming in, especially Dylan Markowitz, like, there, mm-hmm. there is a potential there to ch- challenge for that starting job. And if Culpepper is obviously not going to win the starting job for both the Dino politics reason and the talent reason, but someone coming in next year certainly could, especially if Tommy DeVito still has the yips. Yeah, they, they deserve a look if, if things don't change. I'm, it's true that, that DeVito is, is Dino Babers' he's guy. The golden his, boy. You know, his most, he's the golden boy. Four-star yeah. recruit, Elite 11 QB. All of these accolades right. coming in, and it, it, you might as well flush them down the drain. But this happens sometimes. It happens, you know, sometimes you recruit a guy, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to read the, the Tommy DeVito Syracuse career obituary right now. Like, that's, that's not we're, my intention I don't think at all. we're there yet. We're not there yet. No, no. But, but I think it, it is worth, you know, zooming out and saying, look, sometimes you get, you know, you pull in a recruit, and they're not what you thought they were. And that's not this, you know, major indictment on, on the head coach who recruited the, who recruited the player. When it's at the quarterback position, it's just so much more important. And look, if this era doesn't go well for Syracuse, let's say, you know, just the, the Tommy DeVito era, it, the, the way it will be looked at by history is, well, we thought Tommy DeVito was better than he ended up being. True, and of course, having to replace Eric Dungy, one of the most loved figures in Syracuse history over the past 10, 15 years, is really difficult. But you're right, Gil, it's a disappointment, and you made a great point. Because it's at the quarterback position, it's so much more magnified, and people are going to be talking about it for the next maybe five years. If another quarterback doesn't work out, that's where Dino starts pushing towards the hot seat. But I think we've talked about the quarterbacks enough. I want to move to the defense because the offense has looked terrible. The defense has looked spectacular, if I may say so. Even though they've lost both games, I've been really impressed from the 3-3-5. And it's not just Andre Sisco. It's the whole defense that looks really good, really in sync. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been better than anyone could have expected. I was high on the defense when, when you look at... When you look at the talent they came in with, it was clear this is a top. Uh, this is a one of the best secondaries in the ACC. This is three defensive linemen led by Josh Black um, that you have trust in. You know clearly, and Kingsley Jonathan and McKinley Williams. Clearly, you know all of them were good enough to play at a high level. Um, and then you just had some question marks where it's like, who is this guy? I don't know. Well, let's see. And all of those players, the Stephon Thompsons, the Garrett Williams of the world, have panned out. But here's what's really surprised me, and I think you're with me on this as well. 
the fact that they were, are able to install a new system and it's gone on without a hitch is incredibly impressive. And I was not expecting it to be to look good this good this early. It's the combination of the talent. And I also think the leadership of Tony White has a huge role to play in it. Trill Williams said earlier this week that White's leadership starts off the field. He and uh, secondary coach Chip West are really asking the players questions, trying to get a feel for you know what's going on in their lives. And Trill said, when I get out on the field, I'd run through a wall for these guys. And it seems like the whole entire Syracuse defense is playing with this motivation that we haven't seen them play with in years past. Maybe it is the scheme. Maybe it's the leadership. Whatever it may be, SU defensively is on a whole nother level this year now I do think it's important to note that this was kind of a narrative last season with the defense and then things really broke down uh the first time that happened was the Boston College game where it seemed like no one just no one wanted to tackle A.J. Dillon um or A.J. Dillon's backup for that matter but until then uh Syracuse hadn't given up more than uh than thir- well, actually, the Maryland game was bad. Uh, yes, I'm going to say this. Game was terrible. Between, yes, the NC State game and the Pittsburgh game were good showings by the Syracuse defense, and it was kind of like, oh, like when is the offense going to step up and, and give the defense some, some help? Um, that, but, but I guess the point I'm making is the defense kind of got tired and couldn't really keep it up. And that's the concern if the offense isn't going to give the defense anything to feel good about or, or any, any reason to look up, the, look up at the scoreboard and feel like their hard work is paying off. Uh, I do think that it's, that's a concern. It's a concern, but it's impressive that we've seen the defense perform so well against two top 25 teams. Keep in mind last year, Maryland was, you know, a top— he was, Maryland was, like, between 20 and 25— and then right after they whooped Syracuse, they fell out. They their season bottomed out. It was not very impre- uh, not a very impressive loss in during the game or after the game when you look at the season holistically. But Syracuse did play well against Clemson last year. All the, at least the defense did for a little bit. Kind of kept us in the game. Mm-hmm. But this year, just the the fact that Sam Howell, R- ACC Rookie of the Year, FBS freshman, all the accolades you want to throw at him, came out and kind of. He looked like he was struggling, or at least for the first first half. He couldn't find his reads. He couldn't get in sync with his receivers. And same thing with Kenny Pickett. Besides that out route on third down, Pitt didn't really have much of an offensive connection going. There were a lot of mistakes, a lot of flow errors, some offs- uh, not offside, some false start penalties. The Pitt offense struggled to find a rhythm. And if Syracuse can keep doing that, whether it's just getting a stop on first down, that that completely destroys the rhythm of an offense, and that kind of stuff happens when you have so many playmakers on the field. Guys like Mikel Jones, who I think is going to be an all-ACC linebacker, if not this year, then next uh-huh. year, because they find the ball, they track it at a high level, they play downhill, and they play aggressive. And if you have three, four, five guys like that on the field, they're going to step up and make plays, maybe not every down, but most of the downs when your defense is on the field. Yeah, and I think the I think you make good points. Those are two really good offenses with good quarterbacks, and I think the question becomes what's it going to look like if Syracuse can keep this up and then they play a team like like NC State who doesn't have that kind of offense. 
Um, but let's talk about Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is kind of that team, the young offense. No, really, I don't agree. Really, I, I, so, so Ian, yeah, I'm calling, I'm calling the game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've uh, been in pretty deep on on Georgia Tech, and I really think that they're probably the most underrated team in the ACC. And I think all the writers who rated them as uh, the 15th, aka worst team in the conference. Are, are really going to be eating their words or, or eating their votes at the end of the season uh, because Jeff Sims, their true freshman quarterback, is a real talent, and people are really going to, to come around and, and know about him. He's extremely mistake-prone, Ian. Yeah, that's, and, and last week, yeah. That's my, so that's where we could see That's it. my thing. I think Syracuse gets turnover after turnover in this game. Sims has thrown four picks already, and he's got some young yeah. running backs too. I mean, their best weapon is Jameer Gibbs, who's also very young. They use him in all sorts of areas, but it's it's your very young team, and they are mistake-prone, and Syracuse can capitalize yes. on that. That's where I think the Orange have the advantage, not necessarily because sure. you know, Jeff Sims is a bad quarterback. I think he's going to be great in two years, but it's an offense that's still kind of growing into itself, and they are prone to make mistakes. The Yellow Jackets are are moving the ball with ease, though. Like, that's that's just something, you know, the red zone has been bad. They have no kicking game. Yes, their special Which makes it really hard. Horrible. Yeah, it makes it really hard in the red zone because they really got to get in the end zone because they can't kick a field goal. Didn't they? So at this level, that's a problem. They've had, what, three kicks blocked this year? They've had four if you include extra points. I mean, they have a a freshman kicker, Jude Kelly, who's had— the vast majority of his kicks blocked. Oh gosh, that's that's not great. And we're gonna get more into Georgia Tech. We'll have Ken Segura on, and he's a sports reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, which covers Georgia Tech, and and does an excellent job. So so net net wrapping this up, you expect to see the SU defense shine again here because they'll be able to turn the ball over against a young quarterback who's who's been mistake prone. I think so. I really do think so. I have confidence in Tony White. I have confidence in the SU secondary. If they can make Georgia Tech one-dimensional, they're going to win this game. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you that there are going to be some interceptions. I still think, though, that Georgia Tech, um, I still think they put up between 20 and 35 points. Uh, So, you know, Syracuse is going to need to score, and, you know, that's that's just how it's going to be. Well, really what I'm saying is I I do believe that Georgia Tech is a top-half ACC team. And and I know most people don't see them that way. Not yet. Next year, yes. This year, no. Sure. All right, well, let's see see what uh, Ken Segura thinks. We'll talk to him coming up after the break. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We're joined now on Fizz Radio by Ken Segura. He is a does a wonderful job of covering Georgia Tech football for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Ken, thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. So obviously, under Jeff Collins, this program is going through this unbelievable transition from the triple option to you know basically a modern pro style offense, mm-hmm. and that's a really big task. Would you say that that transition period is ahead of schedule, on schedule, or behind? Boy, that's a good question. I would, I mean, I, I guess you want to wait till the season ends to know exactly how things turn out. I mean, honestly, I think when they beat Florida State uh, in the first game of the season, 
like that was unexpected. They were, you know, some like 12 point underdogs and obviously they're picked finished last in the ACC. So you didn't just kind of superficially looking at it, you're like, they, they're not going to win this game. And so for them to win and, and to look good doing it, I think made you think, well, maybe they got a shot. And actually the next game, they, they showed some things against UCF, um, but you know, UCF won going away. Um, so you have felt some good about some things, but obviously, you know, you know, giving up 660 points to anybody uh, raised some question marks. Um, I guess I would say I feel like they're ahead. I mean, some things that you wondered about, specifically pass rush and the offensive line, and I guess in quarterback play, they've all, um, you know, particularly the first two have looked pretty good. Uh, and then quarterback play, you, you see a lot of really good things. You know, Jeff Sims has – some things to work out with with turnovers, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I would, you know, I guess if if you're working on a projection of, you know, people think the team was going to finish last, then I, I don't think that's going to happen. And so I guess I would I'd go ahead and say they're they're maybe a little bit ahead of where most people thought. Ben, thanks for joining us. Let's let's mm -hmm. talk about the quarterback, Jeff Sims, sure. true freshman, four interceptions already on the season. But personally, me watching him, I love the decisions that he's making most of the time in the pocket. What, what is your favorite intangible that Jeff Sims brings to this Yellow Jacket team? Hmm. Um, I, I guess the one thing that stands out is that particularly given that he's a, a true freshman, you know, making his first two starts and this will be his third, is that he plays with a lot of poise. Like, you know, normally you think about a freshman or, or someone that hasn't gotten a lot of playing time put in the starting lineup there, kind of running at, at first opportunity, you know, not maybe throw up a lot of touch in the ball. Um, and just the kind of sense that there's a little bit of indecision or, or, or panic, and, and you don't get that at all with him. Um, you know, he, he stands in the pocket and is cool. You know, when he runs, he often is running to stay, to keep the play alive, not necessarily to run downfield. Um, so I guess that is probably what I would say has stood out. Just, yeah, he, he's got a lot more kind of poise about himself than, than you might think for someone in his, in his situation. We're talking to Ken Segura of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You know, yes, the, the quarterback play is, is miles better than last year for Tech, but still uh, some talented running backs there, including a freshman in Jameer Gibbs. What is the backfield looking like? Because uh, Jordan Mason didn't play against UCF, but these are two really talented backs, Gibbs and Mason. Yeah, yeah. And then you could throw in Jemias Griffin and Dante right. Smith for the matter, too. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a real, it's definitely a position of strength for Tech. Uh, Jordan Mason was an all-ACC back last year. Um, elusive, you know, really good vision, uh, can run with strength and power and speed. Um, and then you, you throw in Jameer Gibbs, who was uh, someone who really kind of blew up in his recruiting as a senior. Um, and so uh, those two guys, and then Jemias Griffin, who, who was kind of the Jameer Gibbs of, of last year's class, um, all three are good options. I think, you know, they're going to, I'm sure, I, my guess is that Mason won't play. We'll, we'll see for sure. But um, but I'm sure you'll see both those guys and probably Dante Smith also. Gibbs also led the team in a receiving last okay. week. And Malachi Carter is really the only proven guy, you know, six receptions for 66 in the TD against Florida State. Who are we looking for in the passing game? Um, well, certainly, as you said, uh, Jameer Gibbs, he's someone they can, you know, he can, come out of the backfield or they, you know, they line him up in the slot, I think once or twice. Um, as you mentioned, Malachi Carter is another, uh, Jalen Camp, he's a senior. Um, he's another guy I think that, that, that uh, is, is, you know, is, I think they're, they're good throwing too. Uh, the interesting thing about, about uh, 
about Sims is that he's he's been very and actually you talk again about just kind of being impressed with him as a freshman. I think in his first game he threw to ten different or he completed passes to ten different receivers, and wow. I, I don't remember the number on uh, on Saturday, but yeah. So I think uh, you know you'll probably see some balance, um, you know, in, in guys that he's throwing to. How do you see this matchup with Syracuse? I mean, the Orange have really struggled on offense and really, really struggled. all aspects. <laughs> and then, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the defense has, has looked excellent. Uh, right. So it's really a, a side of, uh, uh, really a tale of two sides of the ball. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that'll be interesting. I was writing something about about just the, the defense, Syracuse defense and text office that matchup. Um, you know, Jeff Collins, the – the coach was on his radio show last night talking about, you know, they're running a three, three, five and they're running blitzes and angles and, and there's a lot to kind of handle. And so maybe I would wonder, it'll be a, a different kind of challenge for Jeff Sims and for the offensive line to, to handle that kind of stuff. And obviously now, you know, there's more of a book, I guess, on Sims and what he can do and maybe where, where coordinators feel like they can attack him. Um, so that, yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I think, you know, it's, I think, you know, first glance at Syracuse, you like, oh, and two, they've lost two games pretty handily. And so your first thought is, well, you know, tech must be able to win this game going away. But I think, yeah, I, certainly I think that, that Syracuse's defense is, is, will be a factor. Um, obviously the Syracuse offense, um, as you said, they, they're in a lot of struggles. It was interesting to me. I was lost, watching the, the press conference that um, the Dino Babers was giving, he said something along the lines of, I've never experienced anything like that. And, uh, and that's not something you want to hear your coach saying about your offense, especially when he's an office guy. Um, you know, I, you know, the defensive corner for Georgia Tech, uh, Andrew Thacker made the point that, you know, they have played two pretty good defenses in Pitt, North Carolina. And so that maybe that skews things. It's obviously, you know, early season is always kind of hard to tell. And obviously Syracuse had some issues with preseason and getting continuity there. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, Tech uh, had a really good defensive game against Florida State, uh, not really good at all against UCF. And so maybe this is another game where we kind of learn more about, about you know, how they can play defensively. I think they've, you know, they, they are, they can be a pretty good unit. Um, they think should be, they get some guys back on defense, on the defensive line. So uh, as far as it plays out, it, you know, you know, I'm sure Syracuse will be excited to be at home for the first time and they get their new, the renovated stadium, you know, open back up and um, we'll see. I mean, I think I'm sure it'll come down you know, like it often does the turnovers and who's, who take, who's taking care of better, better care of the ball, particularly Georgia Tech, given them that's been kind of an issue for them. Do you think Syracuse has any chance to torch the Georgia Tech secondary the way that Dylan Gabriel did? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I guess it kind of depends on, I think, you know, certainly what, what Gabriel did, and I think Gabriel is a special quarterback. Yes, yes. Uh, but, um, you know, obviously DeVito's played a ton. Um, and I think uh, my, my guess would be no, just because, you know, not everyone, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's you know, for one thing, I'm sure Tech will be very eager to, to, to make amends. But um, I think what's, what's here, excuse me, what UCF did really well um, a lot of the time was they protected uh, Gabriel. They used a lot of six and seven man protections and, and just made it hard for, for the pass rush to get to, to him. And then once he, when he could stand back in the pocket and throw down field, which thing he does really well. I'm not as, I'm not as familiar with how much of a kind of a deep game that DeVito has, but um, you know, so it's, you know, if, if he's getting time and if, if he's, you know, able to, to, connect you know make accurate throws on field like it is possible I'd, I'd, I'd be very surprised but I guess I'm not going to rule anything out 
Ken, this is, a, of course, a Syracuse audience, so I'm sure they're interested. What's, what's the worst part of Georgia Tech? What's the weakness? Okay. Um, well, the one thing that's, that's, that stood out is, you know, and I don't know if it'll be corrected, but they've had uh, four kicks blocked. Um, I think it's mm. one field goal and three, or one point after and three field goals, if memory serves. Uh, and they, um, obviously, it's very unusual. Uh, I think part of it was the protection of the guys up front, you know, had some breakdowns. And then also the kicker, Jude Kelly, Miss, yeah, I think one or two maybe might have been low um, there. You know, he got replaced by another freshman, Gavin Stewart, um, and he made two point after tries on last Saturday against UCF. So that's something, obviously, I'm sure that that uh, the Syracuse coaches were looking very closely at to figure out, you know, what can we do here? And and we'll see who, who kicks for Georgia Tech. Um, as far as the other weaknesses, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, as I said, I think the front, the defensive front is getting better, but I think, you know, they, they're, they can still be better pass rush. I think that, that'll be an interesting kind of look if, if Georgia Tech can, can continue to do that. Um, the way, certainly the way they did against Florida State, not as much against UCF. But um, so, yeah, that's, that, those are probably two areas that might, might swing in Syracuse's favor, though obviously the, the trouble that Syracuse has had with if it's offensive line makes that maybe, maybe, maybe a trouble area for both teams. We'll see. Well, if you're interested in more Georgia Tech content, you can check out Ken Segura's stuff, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ken, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Ian Gill, thanks for your time. We're taking you home on Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Gil Gross, Ian Unsworth here, and it is time, as always, for Fizz Feedback. Ian, first one is about the quarterbacks who we touched on earlier, and there's plenty of stuff on DeVito and Rex Culpepper up on orangefizz.net where you can read all of our stuff. Uh, the question is, how many snaps will Rex Culpepper play against Georgia Tech? Zero through ten. 10 through 25 or the third option is plain and simple he should start hmm third i'm I, i'm interesting to i'm interested to see how many votes the third option got but i'm going with the second one 10 through 25 because dinos did say tommy is our starter but rex will have his packages i think his packages entails anywhere from 10 to 25 plays fizz nation does not agree with you Ooh. And zero to ten won this poll. Mm. Do you think now? Do you now? And I, I agree. I think it's zero through ten. I mean, I think Dino wants to say that so that you know the opponents will be on their toes and they they'll feel the need to prep for Culpepper and spend time in the meetings talking about Culpepper. But I don't really think when when he says Culpepper has packages, I see that more as you know maybe th- three to five snaps. I don't even know if they're really packages. If we're being honest, it's just. All right, put him in the game. That how much of a like? What is De- sure? Devito De- and Culpepper. I mean, Culpepper doesn't bring anything special, does he? He's not a great runner or anything. Right, an excellent point. I mean, I really don't think that there's that much between Devito and Culpepper in terms of what they can do with their legs, anyway. Um, but okay, so that is that. It could be total smoke. Next fizz feedback. How many turnovers will the defense force this weekend? Zero, one, two, or three plus. Hmm. Ian? The averages say two. But a true freshman <laughs> quarterback and a true freshman running back 
Hmm. Three plus. I'm I'm going big and bold here, Gil. Three plus. That was the actual. Uh, this is a strange poll. That option was actually fourth. Huh. Wow. But but you would think that if three plus was last, then you know you'd have maybe one or zero, but two actually won. So people just weren't feeling three, but they were feeling two. Forty eight point eight percent of Fizz Nation. Uh, thanks to turnovers. Yeah, that's the one knock on Jeff Sims so far is he's been pretty sloppy with the football. Four picks, one interception, and worth noting that a lot of those turnovers have have come deep into have uh, have come deep in enemy territory at uh, costly moments. Certainly seems like Syracuse could get, could get at him, especially with the experience of the Orange's defensive backfield. Absolutely. Uh, our final Fizz feedback is also about the defense. What's your impression of the 3-3-5 three, three, after its first two games at SU? First option, 3-3-5 three, three, is perfect. Uh, second is, eh, I'll wait and see. And the third is, not it, too many points. Ian, I know you wrote this question. I have no idea what you meant by the third option. I just meant, are they giving up too many points? I would hope Fizz Nation did not pick number three because I am so much more impressed with Tony White than what I saw through all of last year with Steve Stenard or whoever else was at the helm. Um, I'm honestly going with option number one. I'm very bullish on this SU defense, and I hope they continue to play excellently. 61% of Fizz Nation agrees with you. 3-3-5 is perfect for SU. So you finally got one, Ah. and it's good to see that that the fan base is, you know, fully appreciating what the defense has done because I I do think they deserve it. And, you know, the scoreboard, scoreboard psychology is real. I don't think you can read too much into the fourth quarters really getting away from this defense. No, you can't. And, Gil... It's good to see that I got one of three because I could still get in the Hall of Fame for hitting a buck for hitting <laughs> three three three. So I'm rocking with it. Sure. Okay, I'll I'll give you that. Um, quick prediction: Georgia Tech, Syracuse, kick well, off at noon. Well, I said it on the site: Syracuse twenty seven, Georgia Tech twenty four, and I'm sticking with it, man. I, I I really hope Syracuse win this game. Wins this game. Everything in my body is just pushing for Syracuse to win this game, force some turnovers, capitalize in the red zone, even a defensive touchdown. I think a defensive touchdown happens this Saturday, well, in three hours now, and that's what pushes Syracuse to a victory. I'm not feeling it, and I think a lot of people are going to be really kind of viewing this loss if it happens, if Syracuse doesn't win as this terrible thing and this awful loss. But I really just I happen to think Georgia Tech is super underrated and uh, led by by Jeff Sims, a good quarterback. And I actually do think that they'll get it done. But, um, you know, again, I think they're a good team. That'll do it for us on Fizz Radio. Enjoy the game, everyone. Follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz and read our stuff. OrangeFizz.net. Syracuse, Georgia Tech coming up very soon from Gil Gross and Enon's Worth. This has been Fizz Radio on the score 1260.